Yesterday we were talking and I said, sometimes I just really despise myself. And then right after I said that, I created a plan for the thing that was stressing me out. And then I texted Jared and Meg an update that says, update, I have a plan now and I feel better. And Jared <laughs> said, all you needed to do was say out loud that you despise yourself. I love that. What did you say? Self, what do you call it? Negative self-talk type of motivation. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite of what we tell people to do. <laughs> like, nobody, literal laughed opposite. My, <laughs> nobody laughed at my comment, which was um, self-deprecation is my favorite form of self-love. You said self-depreciation. Deprecate. Oh my god. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> I hate myself. <laughs> oh. That was too perfect. Yeah. Oh, we're we're back. Really Black glad that listeners. you were recording that. <laughs> god damn it, Jared. <laughs> now everyone knows I'm a dummy. <laughs> I'm a dummy. <laughs> well, everyone already knew that you hated yourself. So I mean that's not nothing new. But we could talk about the time in a training Erica and I were doing where I said precipitation. <laughs> Precipitory behaviors instead of preparatory behaviors. Somebody wrote in the chat, that darn rain. <laughs> Such an idiot. You love it when people call you out. Oh, no, my face is red just thinking about it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so funny. Uh, well, well, it's been many moons. Yeah, it's 2021. We're back. It's March. <laughs> I know. It's March. I feel like we should start with the elephant in the room. Jared, how are you feeling about Meg's bangs lately? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Frankly, I'm concerned. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> Did you guys practice that? Rehearse that? No. That was good. We're just always on. Uh huh. Wow. We're just just quick. Yeah, that's really good. I'm jealous of that of humor. Same. Hmm. Yeah. But the joke was at the expense of my um, self-confidence, so. Well, you started it. We have a whole no. podcast dedicated to your bangs. I just thought the listeners needed to know what was happening with yeah. them. <laughs> They've grown out. <laughs> They're in a braid today. I'm, I love. <laughs> Thanks. So the real <laughs> elephant in the room, though, should we, should we talk about it, Jared? Well, I, you know, I feel like we left off on a great note in 2020. I think our last podcast was titled Sometimes Doom and Gloom is Appropriate. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Who would have known that days later we would find out, well, Jared has testicular cancer. <laughs> that was a shock. That was a shock. It was a shock. Wasn't it literally the day after our podcast? I think it was the day after, yeah, that it went up online, so... Wow. Um, many volunteers have received updates from me so um, via email and also lots of people reached out which was incredibly kind and I am in the process of responding but I have good news today and that's that I don't have cancer and I don't have to have any more surgeries so for chemo or any more chemo yay for chemo full body chills <laughs> yay wow that's wild that um between our last podcast episode and this and this one, Jared had cancer and then doesn't anymore. Yeah, <laughs> cancer. Modern cancer. Got cancer. Beat cancer. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Jared Strong. <laughs> Hashtag Jared good at cancer. Yeah. yeah the uh, I will die if all of these hashtags catch on. Yeah, I'm gonna. If they become the trend, like trending, that would that would be the thing that does me in. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh boy. Well, yay. another thing happened. I had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did not. Rachel gave birth to our daughter Maris, and that was actually during 
treatment week. So I went from a five-hour treatment and then we went upstairs and Maris was born later that night. And then I went back the next day to finish that week of treatment. So we basically took up residence at our penthouse suite at LMH. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, I think from December 16th to March 16th, I had like over 45 healthcare appointments. Wow. 21 of them were chemo uh, chemo treatments. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And then I think 15 of them were all day. So I basically worked there. That's true. I would like a stipend. (laughs) (laughs) I bet that I bet all of your treatment providers and like staff working around you loved you so much. (laughs) I I loved, I loved them. This is a good town to Uh, get cancer in because my experience was incredible as far as like that sounds weird to say but all of the people were incredibly kind in the oncology clinic and well and the oncology department at LMH is like super highly rated yeah so yeah um loved my doctor of course I get to see my doctor regularly for the next five years so we'll still get to hang out, which is good. That's important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, they celebrated Maris, Maris's birth with you and for yes. you. Yeah, they got us some books and nice gifts. And um, yeah, I can't say enough good things about all of the LMH staff that we had, both during treatment, but also during uh, Maris's birth and postpartum all of the things have been very helpful. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's nice. Having like have, being a person who's never had to walk through illness, um, everything was kind of new, you know, both the, the physical experiences, but also just like being in that role and interacting with healthcare providers on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you think about how, how you interact when you're in a helping role a lot and I know like we spend a lot of time thinking about that um how 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 we present or how we walk into a room or or on the phones but I don't know when you're receiving it it's so much different it's it's just weird to be in that role because I haven't been in that role Mm -hmm. has it has it hit you yet that the cancer is gone I I think so you know I think um I feel relieved and I don't feel like an overwhelming sense of anxiety that, you know, it will come back um, because, you know, I got a type of cancer that has a, a high cure rate as well as a low reoccurrence rate. So it's like, you know, you, you can find some comfort in those, in those probabilities. And yeah. as we, as I kind of go through the next few years, I'm sure I'm going to experience things differently or, you know, the anxiety is going to be different as I approach a scan, for example, you know, it's, it will be like any, anything that we talk about, you know, there will be some waves that I probably experience, but it feels good to know that chemo is behind me because that was terrible and I don't wish it upon my enemies. Mm-hmm. Do you have enemies? I was just I about to I don't, I don't think so. But if he did, but if I did, this would I, not be the route he took. Yeah. Slow, slow drip of things that are toxic for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just weird because like, it's it like you said, the dates, December, what, 19th, 16th, 16th. 16th. So is that exactly so, three months? Until now. Um, it is like you going through chemo felt like the longest time to, to people who care about you. Like, mm-hmm. like, God, this is never ending. Like, we just want Jared to feel okay and be okay. And then, and when you say like, it was only three months or four months or whatever, it like felt like in, in eternity. So yeah, yeah. It, it, felt like a, it felt like a long time to, to me. And, and, and which is saying something in the context of this past year. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah pandemic time is wild yeah 
Yeah. And then also, you know, the last three months of Rachel's pregnancy. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's something for her too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's something that was, as I was like feeling terrible at certain times, you know, here's my eight month, nine month pregnant wife. Who's like having to, uh, you know, carry a, a big load of both like household labor as well as the emotional labor of just kind of keeping her shit together, which I think, yeah, I mean, her, her experience is, is challenging in many ways. And I, I won't fully understand that because although pre- seeing, seeing your spouse or partner go through labor is <laughs> pretty intense, um, yeah. but, but it's not, it's not quite the same as watching, watching someone experience cancer treatment or illness or, you know, yeah. I think packed in, in the past three months is a lot of things that we, it, it's, it's, I think Rachel and I were talking, it's like, it's like things that you hear other people go through and you're like, wow, I can't imagine that. That sounds really terrible. Or that sounds like so much all at once. And then, mm-hmm. and then here we are kind of sitting in the middle of that and we're like, shit, we're those people. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden too, yeah. like all of a sudden we're those people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's that it's that thing that we have talked about in past podcasts, right? Of like not knowing how strong we are, how much we can manage, or how to how we can handle stuff until we're in the middle of it, and mm-hmm. then we're like, "Oh, I'm doing the thing. I'm managing the thing that seemed so impossible mm-hmm. or out of reach." Yeah, yeah. I was. I I keep remembering that, Kristen, because. Um, because as like as I've witnessed I mean been a witness to this process for the Ottens um just I keep remembering you used I think you used the words like we don't think that we can but we always rise to the occasion and that felt so true like for in my mind and my perception of what you all were doing it's like they're really rising to the occasion right now and holy shit how can I also just say that like y'all are like the picture of grace and like oh my god yeah composure the way that you and Rachel navigated all of that bullshit was just incredible like I I don't even really have words for it I just I'm so proud of you guys as this like strong family unit and it was just incredible to see and I'm glad that you're fucking out of it now and you can just like enjoy being new parents or like realize how traumatic it was in heal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I have a trauma. We're bond. both. <laughs> no, I. Thank you, Meg. I think. I think it was, again, something that we never foresaw ourselves experiencing, and like the thing I have to hit home or you know say that. Um that I find to be like true at its core is that we could not have done this without HQ people, without you all who I'm sitting here with. And I mean, that, that's, that's what I, I guess I want to communicate most of all to, to you all, but also to the volunteers is like, there's a sense of community that makes you feel like you can experience things that are terrible and things that are painful. Um, and I think without that, we would not have fared as well as we did, or as we wouldn't have experienced grace in the same way that we did, or we wouldn't have been able to kind of walk through it all. And we also have, you know, a ton of family support and, and a lot of resources and privilege and, um, you know, all of those things made it, made it possible um, to get through three months that were shit ass terrible. But there's also, you know, again, there's, there's so many uh, spots of brightness that we did experience. Yeah. Love you. Love you guys too. I love you so much. And also I wasn't trying to be toxically positive when I said that now you're out of it and enjoy being parents. (laughs) I am ruminating on that. And so I just wanted to say like, however you respond after the trauma of it all is valid. Oh, good. Thanks for saying that. Now I, now I will walk, walk my own path. 
Walk my own path with my trauma binder. And for those of you who don't know what a trauma binder is, I literally have a binder that has everything that, you know, every bill, every piece of paper that I received. When I first got diagnosed, I uh, made a list. My therapist was really proud of me for this, by the way. I made a list <laughs> of all well, the- Well, first of all, you got a therapist. <laughs> I did get a therapist after, you know, you have to uh, use cancer as your excuse to get a ther- therapist for all the you know shitty trauma that you had already experienced. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I made a list of, uh, these are activities that I can do that um, I guess, prioritize my biopsychosocial health <laughs> which is a, ner- a nerdy social worker thing to do yeah that's, that's yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> among things on the list are clip your fingernails and yeah. inventory the pantry <laughs> <laughs> drink a smoothie inventory the pantry <laughs> listen bird watch <laughs> Oh. oh here's one pick up trash I don't, think oh. I, I don't think i did that one but that's that's a good one for me that's so cute throw stuff at things <laughs> <laughs> did you ever do that uh i don't know yeah probably i skipped rocks that's a good one mm-hmm. you threw stuff at freddy yeah i imagine oh all the time like to him Ooh, get a massage. That's one I can't wait to do. Yeah. Presley's ready and waiting. Yeah. She is incredible. Also, it turns out I got a massage from Presley and I've, I've never had, I mean, I've had a lot of massages, but I didn't know that a massage could be that good. Five out of five. Yeah, for sure. Would recommend. Would yep. recommend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <sighs> goodness what else is going on in people's lives well like we said earlier jared has the most bullshit so (laughs) Uh, yeah of all the bullshit jared has the most bullshit yeah but meg has some bullshit meg has some bullshit that's true tell us about your bullshit meg um so originally you all might remember that presley and i got engaged and were planning to get married in june and then we said we're fucking tired of waiting and uh, we're going to get married in like two weeks. So that two weeks is now one week away from today. And we're having like this teeny tiny pop-up wedding that will be very fun. But will there be Shasta? (laughs) I think that only you can answer that question. (laughs) That's true. Um, I wanted you to say the thing that you say to trick people, which is, but we decided to cancel our wedding. We can't, we decided to cancel our wedding. <clears throat> or call off our wedding. <laughs> and get married in two weeks. <laughs> yep. uh, I mean, really, that's my only bullshit. Yeah. Um, that's some pretty big bullshit, I would say. Yeah, pretty big it, bullshit. it's some pretty big bullshit. I got really depressed over the winter. Oh, I, yeah, I wanted to die. I did want to die. I... <laughs> I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> Jared, Jared may have been onto something with the bangs. Maybe that was an indication that I was about to slip into a deep, dark depression. No, I'm maybe, telling you. Maybe I should have listened to him. This, this is the PSA. Check on your friends who dramatically get bangs. Dramatically. <laughs> it's a stark change. Okay? It is a stark change. <laughs> Oh, Not that I don't like it. It's just that it's a red flag. <laughs> it's a cute red flag, but a red flag nonetheless. <laughs> I mean, I know for damn sure I'll never get bangs again. <laughs> I, I don't believe you is the thing. I really think you should wait until like bright sunny days, right? Like maybe just not like bangs plus winter uh-huh. maybe it has to be like bangs plus summer but, but you see that can't happen and there's all these reasons why yes but we don't have to get into that uh we spend far too much time talking about my bangs on this podcast so someone else can talk about their bullshit now well I, do we need to like delve into 
No, not your bangs. Okay. Your depression. Gosh. I mean, we can. Yeah, Meg, I want to hear about how you've had over this winter, you've been working at HQ for years and you've had your first suicidal experience. I'm just calling you out. Yeah, that's okay. It's kind of cool. I mean, it's not cool, but you know, <laughs> fascinating. It didn't didn't feel cool to me. It's not cool. I didn't it's say cool. Really Cut it out. <laughs> Pretend that didn't happen. <sighs> uh, no, right. I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I find myself wanting to justify um, that I, I wasn't actually suicidal and that I was just having intrusive thoughts. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, like that's still um, being suicidal. So mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts are intrusive thoughts, right? I mean, like the nature of them is that it, it feels really hard to like shake that and they feel uh, true at the time or intense at the time, you know? And, mm-hmm. and I think that if they're intrusive thoughts around suicidality, then that's what your experience is. Right. Yeah. And like, you like you've never had that before like I think that's what makes it different than your past experiences of depression is that like not that if you did have it before you wouldn't be considered suicidal in that moment but just saying like I think that's what you don't have to justify it away like it was new it was new. Yeah. It was scary I mean I definitely in the past have had like thoughts that you know, like, oh, this would be so much easier if I just didn't wake up, like that kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. yeah, this was like a new layer that I'd never experienced. And honestly, I did not expect because I thought that I was immune to it since I do it all day, every day. And then I was like, what if people think I'm just saying this because I work at headquarters or, you know, I went down all these different like spirals and shame spirals. And yeah, I think that just shows how deep it was. Yeah, (laughs) it does. It's really, really intense. But I do, I like to hear you talk about the, like the experience of thinking that you were immune to it because this is the work that you do every day and how like caught off guard you were. Yeah. Yeah. I like definitely didn't like talk about it until it had been happening for several weeks because I thought maybe I'm just like convincing myself to be suicidal. (laughs) You know, this is this this is the narrative that when people get sad and depressed you know then they get suicidal. yeah 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 but then I like realized like if I'm not going to share this which is literally what I preach every day all day then I'm just it's I'm just going to be living alone with this that's terrifying mm-hmm. so then I literally told everyone terrifying because, and dangerous yeah yeah but yeah. I am doing a lot better I have a therapist who is literally so amazing and I am taking some great medications so also just super proud of the way that you like how proactive you were about your suicidality like I think that being suicidal for the first time is such a really like bizarre experience and we don't know like what to do with that a lot of the time but I think because of, like, I just really appreciate how you absolutely practice what you teach um, and that you were telling people and you literally like updated your safety plan and took steps that you needed to take to make sure that like it just wasn't an option for you. Um, and yeah, I, I think that that's really cool and just speaks to the fact that like nobody is immune um, from having these thoughts and uh, it's also incredibly preventable. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Thanks for saying that. Mm-hmm. I think I also like that you talk about your experience in the context of your role as a suicide prevention professional. And um, I think that's really important for all of us to consider, you know, it, as we say, like any one of us could experience circumstances that allow suicidal thoughts to come in and volunteers and counselors are are just as susceptible to that as we are and your role can get in the way of you having really important conversations um, and connecting with someone who can support you and staying safe Um, but it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. and 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 it is important that the narrative be help-seeking as opposed to you know 
grunting through it or denying that it's a fact or feeling shame for experiencing suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think it can go the other way, right? Like it can go, <clears throat> it can go to like you started to feel that place of shame where like this isn't, this shouldn't be my experience because this is what I do every day. Like I should not, I, I should not be having these thoughts. I should not be having these intrusive thoughts because, um, because I'm, I'm in this prevention world Mm-hmm. And therefore, I should have, I should have good protective factors in place right. all the time. And I sh- shouldn't ask for support um, from the people around me because they do so much, right? Like these are mm-hmm. all the narratives. And I think that those are pretty easy for us as, as helpers in general to take on and mm-hmm. to put on ourselves. Like I can't ask people for help in my profession because they're already they're already like emotionally taxed. Yeah, and the vulnerability of like disclosing to your coworkers at a suicide prevention agency that you're suicidal, like that fear of like, are they gonna think I'm incompetent? Are they gonna think that I can't do my job? Like, am I gonna be fired for this? Obviously not, but like when you're depressed, you can convince yourself of anything. Yeah. So um, that's just, it was, a, it was a really vulnerable thing to do even for that reason. Yeah, and really brave. Yeah. Meg, I have a question. Can you can you remember or describe like how you felt when you first disclosed and maybe like who that was to? I think Presley was the first person that I told and I felt embarrassed initially and but she was of course so supportive and sweet and you know just wanted to help connect me to the next person that could probably support me in a different way because she was overwhelmed by it. Um, I think Erica was this the next person I told. And I don't know, I felt a lot of shame and embarrassment, which I hate to say, but um, because I don't think other people who disclose that they're suicidal, I don't, I don't see them as anything less than, you know, or whatever. I don't, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting that when you're in the position, like how, how you perceive yourself is so different than how you perceive other people who are in that position. Absolutely. The majority of the time when we experience shame, it is, it is fully internal, right? I mean, like, and, and so somebody else could tell us the exact same story and our response to that wouldn't be, oh, you should feel shame and embarrassment around that. Right. It is instead, Oh, how can I help you? I right. want to be there for you, right? Thank like, you for telling me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so you having shame around your own experiences is not indicative of how you feel about other people having the same experiences. Right. right. I mean, comparison thing mm-hmm. that we talk about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't be doing this work if I wasn't incredibly compassionate towards those who have experiences related to suicide. And so it was really bizarre. Like it felt fucked up because I was like wanting to die and sad and ashamed and all of that. And trying to grapple with why I feel that way about myself when I don't feel that way about other people. Um, It was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So when, what, what led to sort of you feeling less shame and embarrassment? Was it the amount of times that you talked about it? Was it coming out of the depression? I think both, really. Um, It turns out, like, we talked about it a lot. And so I think I became uh, desensitized or whatever to it. And, yeah, I think that once I started talking about it out loud, I immediately felt myself coming out of the darkness a little bit. so I think the more that I was able to share, the more I could like see myself again and feel like I was like experiencing some hope again. Mm-hmm. What's that thing your dad says about something shared is a problem shared is a problem cut in half. Yeah. <laughs> so you cut it in half a lot. <laughs> That's well, it's very similar to this. My favorite, like when you drag something out of the dark corner under the light and examine it in the light, it lessens its power. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think that we oftentimes around stuff like that allow stuff to fester in those dark corners and just get bigger and bigger and scarier and scarier. Yeah. I'm really like glad that your reached out and this kicked in, Meg. Thank you. Yeah. Me too. yeah. I, I feel like as, as like hard as these like last three months have been for folks that there are a lot of examples of people reaching out and asking for what they did. Mm -hmm. um, and that's pretty amazing because that shit is hard to do. Yeah, <laughs> It's hard to be like, I'm real vulnerable. Like I'm sick or my brain hurts or, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't do it on my own and ask for help. Like we talk about it all the time that our first podcast was like being proactive and asking for help and it is hard to it's hard to do but it they yeah it works it, mm -hmm. it, it does work and i think like had my circumstances been any less severe i would have been like oh no i don't need anything <laughs> you know i think that because it scared the shit out of me i was like oh my god i need all the help i can possibly get um but it doesn't have to be that severe in order to yeah i was gonna say do you think that your experience with asking for help this time because it was so severe jared has allowed you to ask for help when it isn't as severe oh yeah like i i immediately felt like um those barriers were removed like i i immediate felt immediately felt like i could ask for what i needed especially from um friends and family, just being able to, you know, receive a meal was something that initially I felt like, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, I can make my own meal, but you have no clue how much of a relief that is when you feel terrible and you feel depressed or you feel like, um, just not yourself. Just, yeah. I, that, that's the thing that was really rough. And I, I think the thing I talked about most early on was like, I was so scared of my energy and mood not being what I was accustomed to. Cause I, I'm, you know, I don't experience a lot of fluctuation in that regard. And um, so that, that was one of the things that was most challenging. Um, just not being able to care for and do the things that I typically did. So yeah, to answer the question, it's it, I know it will make it easier moving forward and it will also make me, it'll make it easier for me to, give um give that for people who are experiencing difficult shit mm -hmm. like a, anytime i see like a cancer fundraiser on facebook i'm like donate <laughs> 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 which before i you know i'd scroll right past it because it, it wasn't salient you know it wasn't something that jumped out at me yeah i don't know but but I, I was also sitting here thinking like, you know, I, while I was experiencing cancer, like all the support was poured out because um, cancer is like this thing that we can collectively hate, um, just like the, the pandemic. Um, but with Meg's experience, you know, her depression and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Meg, but like to some extent it's experienced in more um, intimate ways, like you, you don't share you don't share as widely, you know? Yeah. Um, Nobody started a, a, a meal train, like a, a meal train or a donate, a donate page. Yeah. Um, for yeah, my, where's, where's my mentality? Dude, I'm going to make <laughs> you so much. I, I got a freezer full of deer meat. I'm just going to be your vegetarian. <laughs> your vegetarian ass will be eaten for days. <laughs> I actually have been eating a little bit of meat. Well, if you need, if you need any, but I don't think I could do deer meat. Oh, you just wait. Erica came over and had venison tacos the other day, so it was really good. Okay, it was carnitas, Jaren. Oh, ven venison carnitas. That sounds pretty good. That's good. Anyway, we'll get your meal train going. Don't worry. Thank you for being a place where I can share my deepest, darkest parts and feel so seen and loved and accepted. And I'm ready to move on from talking about my depression. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Turns out <laughs> Meg knows how to communicate her needs as well. <laughs> Please and thank you. <laughs> Erica, you have at least a little bit of bullshit. I do? Yeah, you changed jobs. How's that been going? Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, yeah, it's been... God, it's been like so hard. <laughs> tell, I'm doing tell what, what happened. Yeah, what happened? Um, so I, I kicked was, you out of my program. Kristen <laughs> reluctantly allowed me to leave uh, the counseling side of things and move into uh, the KSPRC side of of KSPHQ. So I'm now the zero suicide program coordinator. Um, so I get to do lots and lots and lots of trainings around suicide prevention and intervention. Um, it's been really like incredible because these are things that I think KSPHQ has wanted to do for so long is to be able to offer these like various trainings um, around like suicide screening and assessment, counseling um, against or counseling on access for lethal means or to lethal means and just like some assist ish stuff and yeah like all of these different things that we know and and are trained and capable of of providing um we got a grant from kdhe that allows us to do that and we weren't super convinced that uh when we when we blasted out the training dates, because these trainings are free, when we blasted those out, we weren't super convinced that very many people would sign up. And um, it turns out that we've had thousands of people sign up and people are still reaching out to me. Um, we actually had to add trainings to our list um, and they're all filling up. Like there were, some of them are actually over capacity and I just can't say no to people. So I just let it be. Um, so it's been a really incredible like turnout. And I, um, I feel like Meg and I, because we've been doing the majority of these trainings together, um, we've like built some relationships with people all across Kansas because it's, it's like, if they come to one training, even if they're only signed up originally for one training, then they're like, oh, I'm hooked. I want to get all the trainings. Um, and so we get to see familiar fa like faces that are now familiar to us over and over again. And it's been really cool. I, so it's exciting, but also incredibly overwhelming. Um, just the organization part of it all, which I'm in charge of. <laughs> um, and then I've been doing some work with agencies in Douglas County um, around policy for suicide care. Um, and that's been also really fun. So it's just a new like skill set. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, I, I haven't been able to use this skill set of mine in previous positions in this way. So um, it's definitely accessing like a different part of my brain that feels very excited. And it's like um, being able to write policy and procedure is something that is very, um, what's the word, like satisfying to my brain because it just feels so organized and I really like that. So um, it, I like I like to have, it's, it's been a nice transi transition during a, a difficult time to like move into something that feels a little bit more concrete as opposed to abstract mm -hmm. um, in terms of the work. So, but I will say that I, I greatly miss um, the chat program and, and I felt I had a really hard time uh, walking away from that and, and handing it off to Annie. I think she's doing a great job, but you know, when you build something, it, it feels important to you. And uh, it feels like your, your child baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I did feel so invested and so proud mm -hmm. of the work that we did. Um, you did a um, ton of work and you created, you created a program, you know, yeah. I mean, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it really is. And when I, you know, and in the process of creating that program, I was communicating with centers all across the nation um, to help, like, not build their programs because most of them already existed, but to help, like, establish them or just like organize them in a different way or re like revamp them. And it, obviously it wasn't just me doing these things. Like it was a collaborative effort of, of, among the centers, but it was really cool. It was a but great. But I think experience. that, I mean, 
the reality of that is that you that you and thus HQCC emerged as a leader in in at least chat you know like Mm -hmm. that your work around building this program and and working with um, other centers and collaborating and all of that stuff like set a precedent for moving forward and allowed communication in a way that had never happened before Mm -hmm. at least in our experience and really put us um, in a place to be I mean the next time that they come that we do an ASCOD conference um, like a or a crisis crisis center conference um, will be in Kansas City because of that (laughs) that's pretty cool Uh Yeah, that's exciting. Um, You're a big deal, dude. Yeah. I'm not a big deal. You're a real big deal. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Her head just exploded in the screen. Yeah, it did. I feel feel pretty cool. I I do. I'm glad that you and Meg are, your faces are in front of so many like Kansas mental health professionals because you know stuff and people like hearing it from you, so... Yeah, and we've just had like such an overwhelmingly positive response from the people who show up to the trainings and it feels really rewarding because it's actually like it's mental health providers, but it's also a lot of school personnel um, and a lot of just like other random like community, like any like you it's free so anyone can sign up and Mm -hmm. um, yeah it's been really, really cool. I was going to ask how, how you sign up for these trainings. I know that you're probably prioritizing specific groups for the training, but anyone mm-hmm. can sign up. Just email me because at this point, so many of the trainings are full and I'm not sure that we're going to be able to add more again. So yeah. um, I, I've just been having people email me and then I'll tell them what's available. Yeah. But that also is a huge testament to um your program as well right Mm -hmm. like all of the people um you and megan have been in front of a billion people Mm -hmm. monica has too you know Mm -hmm. like um and the fact that y'all had to add more dates is a big deal and that those dates are full and you don't know if you're going to be able to add i mean Mm -hmm. it it again i think it it elevates the work um, mm-hmm. that you all do, but the work that the center does in general. Yeah. And it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy because like for so long to me, it felt like Kansas did not care about suicide prevention at all. And I mean, being a part of the agency since 2014, like just watching the struggle, you know, like watching the the lack of funding happen throughout the years and the, the sometimes really close calls of like, well, shit, we might have to close our doors um and we're the only people doing this work like what the hell um and so to see that like people really are interested and they want to learn and they want to they want to do what they can in their own communities across the state it has been just a, a huge relief to me i think that i i would like to add that you came onto the ksprc side of things right after we got a grant to serve the entire state. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Like that's a lot to just dive into. I mean, you didn't get to dip your toes in, you know, you really did dive into the deep end and you've done such a good job and have set a lot of examples for me on how to like prioritize and organize myself. And so it's been, it's been cool. I like working with you. You're my fave. Um, but it's, it's funny, uh, because I've definitely had a lot of meltdowns to Meg, um, about how I don't feel capable of doing my job or competent in doing my job. And I have never really doubted my ability to do my jobs in the past. So that's been also eye opening. but I will say that when I was thinking about what my bullshit was, um, it actually had nothing to do with work. (laughs) And had more to do with the fact that, um, like, just everyone in my world has, has been struggling and, like, falling apart at the same time. And 
for yeah. the first time really in my life, I'm the like stable one, even <laughs> in my relationship. Like Jason is struggling a lot more with the pandemic and with, with all of our friends struggling than, than even I was. So it's been really wild and eye-opening to me. Um, and I just want to say that like Jared and Meg, when you were talking about like how vulnerable it is to, to ask for what you need, I got a lot out of being able to provide whatever I could. Um, and it felt like the, the only thing that I could control. <laughs> um, and so thank you for being able and willing to ask for those things because it, it was, the, I mean, it's one of the things that got myself and Jason through mm-hmm. your shit. <laughs> well, th- thanks for uh, doing the work to be stable because <laughs> we needed you. Yeah. Who the hell am I? I don't even know. I've never been the stable one. Yeah. Not, not even in, in the last several years. Like I'm the one that's always like got some shit falling apart. Yeah. You, you got your shit together just in time. God. really handy yeah i mean also bizarre <laughs> but also like i'm fine with it it's fine yeah it, it certainly goes along with the things that we have talked about as far as having like the emotional capacity for things and being able to ask each other like i have some stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have the emotional capacity to be able to handle it yeah and being able to say no <laughs> or, or yes is really important. And I think it's just, again, um, goes to show that there's a lot of trust that exists um, at, at HQ, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then among our own support systems as well. But mm-hmm. like trust to be able to say, I need help. Can you provide it? And then have a true answer you know mm-hmm. to be able to trust the answer as to yes I can provide it or no not right now I need mm-hmm. someone else to provide that dude HQ is a lifeline for me like I do not know what I would do without my peeps yeah mm-hmm. it's overwhelming it makes me want to drink a Shasta and sing karaoke and I hate singing karaoke that is true. Jared doesn't do that. I love going, but I I love going. Yeah. Mhm. I one of my favorite events. Yeah. Same. I used to refuse to sing karaoke in my life and now I crave it. Yeah. Uh I will say this, for whatever reason this is like popping in my mind. I don't know if he listens to this uh podcast, but one of the things that has been so steady over the last several months is um, Dan Shamley uh, sending me a joke a day. And it's like fifth grade humor and I can never get it right. But on the rare occasion that I do get the answer right, I feel like the queen of the world. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has been incredibly, like, I should tell him that I haven't Uh actually told him that, but, uh, it's just something that I look forward to. And it just like is a bright spot on a day-to-day basis. And I think it's really cool that he does. That's really cute. (laughs) And it's so so cute. darling. I also love that you feel like so proud of yourself when you get the answer right. So proud. So (laughs) proud. It's like you just solved the New York, New York Times crossword puzzle. Uh Uh, and sometimes I come up with really good responses. Like um, one of the questions was like, what did you think of the new restaurant on the moon? And my response was, I was so proud of this. It's out of this world. <laughs> and that wasn't right. <laughs> what was it? It was something like, uh, it was okay. The food was okay, but the atmosphere was lacking. <laughs> oh my and gosh. that was good. That's funny. But That's also- funny. It's out, it was out of this world is pretty freaking good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Both acceptable answers. Right. <laughs> One just appeals to uh, nerds more. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Yeah. Kristen, do you have bullshit? Um, not really. We did set about um, remodeling our living room. Um, and that in and of itself has been bullshit. 
because it's like the money pit we took down our um oh my gosh that movie is so funny we took down our paneling and instead of like discovering that there was some like cheesy wallpaper behind it and we just needed to like cover it up with with paint um we discovered that the walls were just fully falling down crumbling right before your eyes yeah crumbling right before our eyes and so a project that was meant to take like two weeks is like two months um and the amount of spackle (laughs) that is currently on our walls is is an impressive amount of spackle in fact we're heading to home depot again today to get more plaster and to to get get more spackle and to get my steps in yeah (laughs) that's the nature of home depot (laughs) you just walk (laughs) back and forth like a hundred times looking for the right row so um that has been the extent of it but we had to move our furniture delivery back um because it is a big job that sucks but hopefully the wallpaper goes up this weekend oh that is our goal so exciting yeah and and we picked the hardest room of the like three that we're gonna do first and so the other two will be easy peasy in comparison you mean because you don't have to live in them 24 7 well that too yeah. But also, um, you, we're not going to have to take down paneling um, and discover that um, the, 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 the slats um, behind the plaster have n- nails in them that were handcrafted oh versus bought at a store. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's how old our walls are. <laughs> so East, East Lawrence houses. Yeah, they're gems. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, and painting ceilings is hard, especially when they're popcorn ceilings. Mm. Um, so you know, that's uh, that's really the extent of it. Well, thank thank you for being mostly stable too, because we've I've relied on you for a lot of things these past three months. So <laughs> I appreciate your capacity to handle my bullshit which became your bullshit (laughs) yeah I mean true like that like hiring Jared I'm imagining I'm just gonna speak for you I guess Kristen must have been such a relief Uh that's true (laughs) and then Jared had to go and get cancer he did Mm -hmm. victim blaming and and for all these these weeks and months or worked at a lower capacity which probably was really hard for you <laughs> i i noticed <laughs> that jared wasn't here as much i will say that yeah. i i missed him for a yeah. lot of reasons <laughs> um yeah i am relieved that he's back and that everything is good yeah I also um, sent a number of text messages to Jared with like um, just the like brain process that I go through sometimes. <laughs> the the con- the stream of consciousness mm-hmm. where Jared me. would text back and be like, "Your brain is weird." <laughs> I miss getting those text messages. It turns out yeah. they are special. They are special, dude. They're like a they're a signature Kristen move. Yeah. Well crafted. Um, yes. I've made a lot of suggestions about what Jared possibly needs over the last few months. <laughs> yeah. oh, Love that journey for you guys. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's fun. He's yeah. never taken me up on the the some of the things. Yeah. Like but the I know measles or the gallons of milk or I know that they're there. <laughs> they are. They're always there. If you need me to find you a barrel of weasels, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, we better wrap this thing up with a question. Oh, oh yeah, we should wrap wrap. 
We should wrap. Oh, we should wrap, wrap it up. Are we going to wrap or whop or what? <laughs> I think we'll, let's, let's wrap. Let's yeah. wrap it up. Okay. All right. The question that Kristen and I came up with, uh-huh. which we feel is very appropriate for today's circumstances and conversation is, where's your favorite place to cry? Oh, shit. That's really good. Dang. Do you, I, I, Jared and I pre-talked about this so I can answer that yeah, question I have to think yeah. about while it. you guys think about it. Yeah. Um, for me, it is, it's truly in front of like media. Like I, I could be watching anything. Um, and that is the, that is the thing that's going to elicit like Grey's Anatomy lately has been real rough. Um, <laughs> I can't even watch it right now. It, it just be, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like even happy shows where like people clap for each other tears like wow (laughs) i i could not watch um cbs sunday morning which is my favorite program of all time which is written i love that you call it a program my favorite program intensity old oh yeah no cbs sunday morning is for people 65 plus yes i'm aware but they 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 always tell stories that include kindness and there's so many clips that i would just be sobbing through and then i would get on youtube and i would just watch them one after the other (laughs) and i i told my oncologist that i was experiencing more tearfulness and just emotional like i cried in the lobby of the oncology clinic because this old couple was having this conversation that was just really cute and rachel looked at me and she was she was concerned because i'm crying in the lobby and i'm like old couple's so cute (laughs) and so my my oncologist was like yeah you probably shouldn't watch that stuff anymore and then so he uh recommended I watch Arrested Development (laughs) anyway media can get me apparently yeah that's my that's my main outlet I do I it used to be um there are times we're driving and crying is like my jam because I can listen to music but I have to be careful that I'm not like too upset Mm -hmm. because then I'm it's dangerous to be on the road (laughs) yes (laughs) so it has to be like light crying and driving and Mm -hmm. listening to music um yeah yeah. so that's that's my answer one of my proudest moments in probably my entire life is meeting Maris through the glass door and crying about that and then seeing Jared just weeping. <laughs> I was like, got him. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I do cry a lot more these days. I love that so much for me. <laughs> for me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Erica loves loves the sad girl God, <laughs> in whatever yeah, form. Love, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. I think my favorite. I mean, my favorite place to cry. Uh, I don't know, but like my favorite circumstance is when I have taken my medication and I'm I'm at the peak of my Adderall. <laughs> So I'm very alert, very awake, very in tune with my emotions. Typically those emotions are of love and gratitude, which is great for me. Um, and so I just love being on like something like this, uh, a call with my coworkers and just being like, I really just love you so much. I'm so grateful that you're in my life. That's my favorite uh, thing to cry about. And it's been happening a lot specifically with Meg. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are just growing up and we have grown up together. Um, so we've just been talking about how special our friendship is and crying about that a lot. And that's been very cute. That's true. All right. All right. But I need, I need you to answer. That's great. I love that for you, sure, sure. but I need you to answer the physical space. Okay. Um, so I, I just cry. I cry everywhere. Jared is the yeah. Problem. But what's what's where's your favorite place? I've got a lot of money place. on this, so please. Oh, oh, you have a lot of money on this. Shit. <laughs> you little bitches. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jared um, and I had some thoughts about what might the answer be. <laughs> okay. My favorite place to cry currently. Probably the car because I can talk to myself out loud. <laughs> did you lose? Yeah, uh, both of us did. What yep. were your guesses? Uh, we thought it would be um, the shower. Yeah, in the bath bathtub because you love. I I did used to love to cry in the bathtub, but I don't do that anymore. But I did or or the other one was HQ, which she kind which of kind of counts. Yeah, 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 she yeah. Said on a call with her coworkers. Absolutely. I mean, if if there is dude i guess i didn't think about that as an option because we haven't been in the physical space of hq in so long but that feels the most true so we win they, they know you better than you know yourself it's true that is that feels the most true i couldn't think of like what feels the most right mm -hmm. um but that makes sense to me and because the majority of the time that I'm crying is literally in a space like this over the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I cry a lot at HQ when we are there, so. That's good. Most that. people cry a lot at their jobs, but it's for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like hiding in a bathroom stall. Uh -huh. yeah. Under their desk. And their coworkers <laughs> are like, oh, that's just the girl that cries. <laughs> if, if, if HQ was a guest that you had, I think that you should win. All right. Well, and, Kristen and, and I, I would collectively win. How much money you win. <laughs> I don't have any money on this. We didn't okay. really put any money on it. But Meg, it's your turn. Because we also... Yeah. Okay. So they also have a bet on Meg. Yeah. Well, I have... T can I have two answers? Yeah. Sure. I mean, you can have as many as you want. Okay. So... You just have to be right once. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is um, just like... I do a lot of like pacing when I cry. Um, and so I will pace around, but the best place is in my bed because it is my safe place. I always feel so safe in my bed. Presley and I were literally talking about that last night that like she was having anxiety yesterday and she was like, I'm gonna go cocoon myself in bed. <laughs> like that's like our safe place. Um, but if I'm feeling really dramatic and want to make a spectacle of myself, I will take a walk and cry. <laughs> Just the girl walking down the street, like visibly sobbing. It's happened Body shaking. so often during the pandemic. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't walk and cry during the pandemic? <laughs> it just always feels like, yes, this is like, me and my power you know like mm -hmm. it couldn't get sadder than this and that feels so good well you you live in east lawrence so you can walk past all those signs that build you up too so yeah you but matter, matter. <laughs> you matter more tears yeah. <laughs> exactly don't give up yeah yeah what were your guesses for me uh, well i think i think we're kind of right um with HQ, we thought HQ would be one. And then we thought at home in Presley's arms would be the other one. <laughs> that's so cute. Which, I mean. That's, that's really fair and true. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I like to like happy cry at HQ, but I don't enjoy crying like sad tears at HQ. Yeah. You know, the thing that gets me the saddest like the real like oh I'm accessing my sad girl self right now in its purest form is listening to like live music and I, by live music I mean live but on YouTube uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> because no live music is happening right now <laughs> but on YouTube yeah <laughs> So it was recorded live and then yeah. put on YouTube. Uh -huh. Do you remember how hard we cried at Vance Joy? Yes. That was actually live. That was uh -huh. an actual live concert. We went yes, to an El Keen concert and Meg was like, do you want to go to this El Keen concert with me and some of my coworkers for Massage Envy? And I was like, sure, I'll go. Um, and it turns out that Vance Joy was opening for El King. Nobody, nobody told me this. And I, I was like, either. are you kidding me? This is so exciting. <laughs> I love Vance Joy. Also, he's hot. It's very attractive. Mm -hmm. Jared, did you tell us? 
Uh, not necessarily. I, th I think my favorite place would be probably the car or, or I guess apparently the oncology lobby. Uh -huh. Again, who hasn't cried in the oncology lobby? Truly, yeah. I've done it mil millions of times. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's tissues everywhere. It's great. Uh -huh. um, how often do you cry looking at Maris? Um, maybe just a couple times. I don't know. She's, she's so funny and cute. I, I don't, I don't cry. It's, it's more like heartwarming. Yeah. Like goosebumps. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. So she's pretty My dog good. right now is making so much noise, chewing her bone, like as close to me as she can. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and she sounds like she's tearing down the house. She's chewing on her bone so loud. We can't hear it. Uh -uh. That's good. She must be ready for her afternoon visit to the daycare. Yes, that's true. She is. Wow. I've really missed this a lot. Me I too. Right now. Well, we're back for season two. So we're back for season two. I love this for us. Stay and for all of our listeners. I know that um, it's very important to so many people and um, that. <laughs> People have been in agony waiting for the next episode to come out over the last few months. So agony, yeah, agony, yeah, in its purest form. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to see everyone. Yep. Same. Thanks for listening. Love, Love you all. Take care of yourself. Love you guys. Be kind to yourself. Mm hmm.